You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Hey everybody, Michael Graham here, one of the pastors of the Village Church, and with me is... Uh, Scott O'Donohoe, another one of the pastors of the Village Church. So to jump right in, we are doing an Indivisible Recap. Uh, this is session two, and so you want to give a 30-second, what is Indivisible? Yeah, uh, Indivisible is a five-week class dealing with politics and the faith, specifically for the purpose of fighting for unity in Christ within a politically diverse church. So we had the first week we talked about what's at stake um, in the election and while there are lots and lots of issues that uh, clearly matter and will impact people's lives, the biggest issue for the church is uh, our witness and our unity um, in our mission and in our message. Uh, that's the biggest thing at stake in the church in this year's election. So um, we talked about that last week. You can go check out the recap of session one. We put that out last Thursday, I think. Um, so go check that out. And this week uh, we're hitting our next big question. Sweet. So... Just to let everyone know, uh, if they're unable to be there, basically what this is, while we cannot duplicate dialogue and yeah. all those things, I'm basically just asking Scott the questions that he asks everyone else. <laughs> and so he's, he's just giving us the answers this time, um, and, and after having asked and interacted with others. And so hopefully that gives a little more full flavor for you as well. I think so too, yeah. Yeah. So um, without further ado, what is, or maybe what are, I, I don't know, uh, what is politics? Yeah, um, so uh, this, uh, it's, you could define it in a million different ways and a million different people have. The easiest, simplest way I defined it was just saying it's how we govern. It's the process by which we decide to govern um, or run something, right? And so, and that doesn't have to be politics as we think about it in like a city government or federal government or whatever. That's, I mean, that could be your home, uh, you know, how you govern your, your household, the politics of your home. It could be the church, church polity, um, ecclesiology, the way that the church is led and run and how decisions are made and all that stuff. So it's it's bigger than what we usually think about when we think of politics, but it's really is, simply put, the process of governing. That's really great. I love the way that you said that. I, I know I remember early on talking about like the school or something and like uh, or, or like youth sports to my kids and talking about, well, there's politics involved. And I think in their mind, they're thinking like some, you know, dude in a suit, you know, on TV. And I'm right. like, no, no, that's not, that's not it. It's just the governance of. And, yeah. and so, yeah, I love that. So uh, kind of the thrust of maybe uh, the, the, the feelings that start to arise in the, in the class um, came with a second one, like, should Christians care? Should we care about politics? Yeah. And this was the big the, the big question for session two, and I think anybody who's been part of something that was poorly led, <laughs> or part of an organization, or a home, or a church, or a city, or whatever, uh, in which governance or politics seem to be unhealthy, would say, oh, like, no, that matters. <laughs> and you would have your own reasons for saying that. Um, specifically for the purposes of our conversation as a church, um, we got to point back to what we talked about last week in terms of what's at stake and a lot of the things that we mentioned uh, in terms of um, you know religious liberty, uh, abortion, personhood, racial stuff, healthcare, education, all sorts of things like 
like that stuff affects people. And so uh, politics matters. We should maybe at least care about it or have our interest piqued by it because people are involved. And then when you burrow down underneath that, I mean, the, the process of politics, the dialogue or discussion, whether that's on a, a debate stage or whether that's in a, a you know, PTA meeting or school meeting or whatever, like, or a family meeting at home. Um, man, it's, it, it is, it comes down to what's true an understanding of morality and ethics and what's right and wrong justice, uh, defining what personhood is or what our purpose is and all those things like culminate into, you know, how we think things should go. Um, and, and all that stuff then affects people. So we, we take a step back and as Christians, we can look at each of those things and say, well, gosh, like that's stuff that the church cares about because that's stuff that, that God seems to care about. He's spoken to what is true and what's not, what's good and what's evil, what's right and wrong, righteousness, what's loving, what's not, um, you know, all those things. And so at, at the very least, Christians ought to be interested in, uh, in politics as it exists in, you know, city, state, federal government because, because of all those things, God seems to care about them and has something to say about them. So we should at least be paying attention. Yeah, yeah. That uh, two two ditches maybe just off of that, like negligence to not care at all, or uh, caring too much. Too much, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I think we see both those things at yeah. play. Um. So, what are the kind of uh, where does government come from? And again, government, yeah, politics, all that stuff. It's loaded. It means something different. You know, if if you think of the White House, uh, think a little broader when we talk about government. Yeah. You know, like. Um, where it, what are the historic roots of government? Yeah, um, and I think this is I think this is a really important question because, uh, especially for the cynical among us, we might think of government or any sort of institution or organization, be it the church, government, whatever, as some man-made system that's just a power grab or a desire to control people or push agendas or what have you. And in reality, what we see in Genesis 1 and 2 is that that governing was really God's idea. And even though he is God and he is all-powerful, he brought and breathed everything into existence, um, including us and our lives. Like he, uh, he passed on dominion over the earth to Adam and Eve. And he, he told them both to, uh, in, in this garden I placed you in, work it, right? Cultivate it, tend it, and keep it protect it, uh, make sure, you know, you weed it and keep the bad stuff out, keep the rabbits from eating, <laughs> eating all the, the plants or whatever that you're trying to grow, um, you know, to, to know what is good and evil by letting God define that, not eating of this tree and, and trying to decide for yourself what's good uh, and evil, but instead trusting me, being fruitful and multiplying. Um, all of these things, uh, subduing the earth is God saying, hey, like, I have a vision for humanity, and that's kind of what we see and all of the stuff he shares around, again, what's true, what's good, what's moral, all that stuff that we talked about uh, just a, a couple of minutes ago. He has a vision for humanity and he asks us, his people, to carry that vision out. He wants to co-labor and co-rule uh, with us in some way. And so that's, that, that is the origin of, of governing uh, from a theological perspective. He calls us to advance good to carry out that vision that he has for humanity. That's fantastic. So... Um... So what's the problem? <laughs> it, it seems like the story doesn't end there. Uh, the other guy. That's my problem. <laughs> uh, the people on the other side of the He aisle. made me do it. <laughs> um, no, we open up Genesis 3 and you know we see that the, our, our first enemy is the, the deceiver, um, Satan. 
the spiritual forces at play that would love to deceive us, love us to question and doubt God and his goodness and his rule uh, and the fact that we are actually made fully in his image as we ought to be, all of those things. Um, so what goes wrong is him, uh, but then our listening to him, uh, sin enters in. And so we end up uh, deciding for ourselves what is good and evil. We, we take the fruit from that tree and say, oh, you know what? Uh, I know God said this, but I think I'm going to take from this tree anyway and decide for me what's right and what's wrong. And, and in doing so, we actually disobey God. So uh, the problem is that, that God does have a vision for humanity, um, and he has called us to carry that out, but all of a sudden we are unable to carry that out. And we see that uh, immediately because right after we disobey uh, God and instead choose to trust the serpent, um, the first thing we do, we, we realize that we're naked, uh, and so we try to hide ourselves, right? We try to sweep our, our dirt under the rug. Um, we start blaming each other, right? When God calls Adam to account for, hey, what's going on? What, what are you doing? Um, who told you you were naked? You know, all this stuff. Uh, he immediately blames the woman. The woman immediately, immediately blames the serpent. Um, and it's just this trickle down of like, you know, pointing the fingers, uh, wanting to... to to sweep out, uh, out from underneath the rug all the dirt of somebody else and then sweep your dirt under the rug. Um, that's kind of what we see in Genesis 3. And, and so the, the reality of sin both outside uh, of us and inside of us and the fact that we have an enemy that is active, real, at work against us and again against God's purposes, um, man, that's where politics uh, in all of its forms goes wrong. So you talked about a little bit and something that around the village we talk about all the time, kind of a, a redemptive arc. Mm -hmm. And so you you set that up, that God created everything. And uh, man, by and large, it was pretty good because God <laughs> said so. Yeah. And it was uh, his design. And then and then Genesis 2, we see the fall. Mm -hmm. um, and so that brings about all of those things, blame and, and self-governance. Self yeah. And uh, prioritizing self and all kinds of things that were not part of. God's design. Um, maybe can you bring that down a little bit? Like, does does that that you're describing mm -hmm. explain anything that we see at play on the world political stage? Yeah, that people can look at right now and say, "Oh yeah, that's the, that's that's what he's that's what he was talking yeah. about." I mean, that's the rhetoric. I mean, it, watch any of the debates. Um, there have only been two so far, but I mean, so much of the content that's there is simply pointing fingers at the other side and then putting your best front forward despite you know the the baggage the dirt that you might have that's real too and so we see that it's literally what adam and eve did <laughs> to each other um there there's the hiding the trying to cover up what doesn't seem to be right and there's the pointing the fingers at everybody else that's wrong um so on a, a negative sense um yeah we see we see that play out certainly on the world stage um but definitely certainly within our own homes i mean uh, I'm sure marriages, friendships, uh, uh, trying to relate to kids. You see, you know, brothers and sisters do that. Uh, kids at school, whatever. Like we, we see that stuff play out all the time. Um, and just defining for ourselves what's good and evil. You know what I mean? And so we, we see that in many of the issues at play. And there are distinctions between both parties and their platforms. And, and certainly there are more than, more than two, two parties. But the two major ones, man, there are distinctions in terms of what's good and what's evil. And uh, they have differences of opinion uh, and in terms of where they get those. Um, so all that stuff we see play out in a, a not so good way. 
Um, but also, I think there's a positive sense in which we see this play out too, in that, man, uh, these issues, politics, like, like we said, they do affect people. They are matters of truth. Uh, they are matters of morality, right and wrong, justice, injustice, uh, personhood, all those things. And so I think we ought to feel strongly about those things. And I think many of us who, who feel passionately about politics, um, man, I, I think we do that from a place of wanting what's best uh, for ourselves, for our neighbors, for the country. Um, and so I think there is a, an echo of, of also goodness and, and purpose and the transcendence of, of morality and truth. Um, at play as well. So I think we see echoes of the good and the bad in both of those today. Yeah, a, a yearning for the good. Right. And gosh, a pretty explicit display of the bad for sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, the way we go about trying to, to fix it, we seem to use the bad to get back to the good, and that's not good. Yeah, so so I, by design, and we talked a little bit about how you broke stuff you yeah, know, yeah. down or whatever, um, with a with a crescendo in mind, I think. I mean... <laughs> You know, in some sense, sure. last week was like, oh, okay, foundational stuff. And yeah. this week was a little bit more foundational, but it was like uh, peeling back another maybe layer of curtain yeah. to like see, oh, gosh, things are broken. And then uh, the next question is is maybe where someone would say, aha, like I have this answer. Like right. So that's certainly where uh, <laughs> one of those two primary or any of the number uh, of the other parties would, would rise up and try to answer this question. Yeah. The world is broken. How can we fix it? Right. And the question that all good Christians, <laughs> that the answer that all good Christians should give is like, uh, we can't. Um, that's, not, that, that's not our place because we are corrupted. Um, it's so easy to, to, when we view politics or talk about any of these things, to, to point the finger outward. And, gosh, there, there probably is. There, there is stuff pointing outward to say like, that ain't good, Right. But man, we are just as corrupted as everyone else. We have sin that lives with us. And so the idea, in order for us to be able to actually bring God's vision for humanity to fruition, we have to be uncorrupted ourselves. And we have to have the ability, uh, the power to somehow uh, make this vision come to life and be realized in an uncorrupted way throughout other people as well. And, and, and we just simply don't have that power. Um, but that doesn't stop us from, <laughs> from trying or from looking to other men and women to maybe usher that in. So, yeah, you pointed to one honorable mention. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> historic uh, false deity that looked like he had a shot, but it didn't quite pan yeah. out. Tell us about him just for a second. I thought yeah. that was interesting. No, uh, I read some stuff about Augustus Caesar, um, and I picked out him specifically because he was the one who was in charge of the Roman Empire at the time when, when God decided to send Jesus uh, in the flesh to save the world. And so, I mean, Caesar Augustus was, he was, yeah, one of the most uh, lauded, praised um, rulers of the day. And he himself uh, adopted titles of like son of the divine. Uh, literally, Augustus means majestic or worshipful. And he adopted that as, his, as part of literally his own name. Um, and so... We see that uh, that play out. Um, and then in terms of what other people thought of him, uh, I'm going to read just a, a small quote of something that was written about him. It was like a part of this thing trying to say, hey, we should start the, uh, a new calendar based on uh, this guy uh, when he was born or whatever. That'll so, never work. That, that'll never work. <laughs> um, and so this is what this little excerpt says. It says, um, since Providence with a, a capital P, so like Providence personified in some way, 
uh, which has ordered all things of our life and is very much interested in our life, uh, has ordered things in sending Augustus. So Providence has, has sent Augustus, um, whom she, Providence, filled with virtue for the benefit of men, sending him as a savior both for us and for those after us, him who would end war and order all things. And since Caesar, by his appearance, surpassed the hopes of all those who received the good tidings or the gospel in Greek, not only those who were uh, benefactors before him, but even the hope among those who will be left afterward. And the birthday of the God was for the world, the beginning of the good tidings, the gospel uh, through him. It goes on and on and on. But in that, we see people looking to Caesar, uh, Caesar Augustus, as someone uh, whom providence, this defined, uh, defined like providential power, had, had filled him with uh, virtue for the benefit of the men, uh, had been sent as a savior uh, for us and for the rest of the world that would come after uh, us, who would end war, order all things, um, and, and his birth would be the beginning of the gospel. Uh, that, that is what people looked to Caesar and saw uh, when, they, when they beheld him. And so for us to then look at that backdrop for that man <laughs> of all that he was, all that he was, and all that he ushered in, he ushered in the, the Pax Romana, which was like 200 years of unprecedented peace uh, in, in the world. Um, it was at that time uh, that God said, ah, you need a better king. <laughs> Um, and it was during that that period of peace when he said, you know what, like I need to, to usher in the Prince of Peace to establish a, a better kingdom. Uh, and so for us to even have that historical perspective, that's the backdrop of God sending Jesus into the world was that that was the political backdrop. Uh, and so the, the, the reality that Jesus came and was declared king, um, that certainly uh, was a, a spiritual declaration, but it was also a very political one. The, one, the fact that he was the son of God, uh, that he was savior, um, that he had a gospel to proclaim. All those things, they were spiritual and it was very much a political declaration as well. And so for us to step back and see uh, in this arc of creation, fall, uh, rescue, redemption, man, that, that Jesus is... Uh, just as he is a spiritual hope to us, um, he is a political hope. He is our hope in all things, uh, but he is certainly also our political hope for, for one day living in a world that is governed rightly, <laughs> as it should be, and where God's vision for humanity uh, exists, certainly fully in him as a person, but also exists in its fullness as it's realized in the new heavens and the new earth uh, when he ushers that in um, at the new creation. So. That sweet, wonderful counselor, um, Prince of Peace, yeah, mighty King, all of those things yeah. that that were foretold, uh, turned out it wasn't um, it wasn't a Caesar right. uh, that that ruled from a kingly throne, but it was Jesus. Um, so I can almost hear, depending on who it is on the other side of of the speakers, <laughs> when you're saying when I ask the question, who you know, how can we fix it? I can almost hear when you say we can't. Mm -hmm. Somebody saying, "What do you mean we can't?" Like <laughs> there are lots of ways we can, you know, like, um, and I know that you know that to be true. Absolutely. So, yeah. so foundationally, we can't. We right. we we are not. We are no one's hope. Um, but but we have a king who is their hope. Right. And and we get to engage in some way. And I thought this was a helpful question. Then we'll have some, you know, your final words or whatever. But somebody asked this question: um, How can I? Do that. I, I think mm -hmm. it was kind of in context. How can I trust that Jesus is King, or or whatever? 
um, without it leading me to be apathetic. Yeah. And so I think, obviously, in particular, dealing with politics, and we know that there are people who are apathetic yeah. uh, in ways that are unhelpful, and there are people who are on the other side of that as well. And so sure. if that's true, okay, so Jesus is king, and he's the only hope and all those things. With regard to politics, how can that lead me to, to not just be apathetic? Yeah. Well, I think it's important to observe biblically that even after the fall, God called his people to rule and to reign and to live in a way that's orderly to, for at least their nation of Israel and, you know, the Hebrew people, that they would be ruled in such a way that was honoring to one another, that would honor, you know, even other nations, um, not adopt their idols, not not live like them, but that would, you know, uh, honor the sojourner and all those things. Um, so, so God called his people through, you know, whether it was in the Exodus or whether it was when they had a huge kingdom and there was a king and a temple and uh, all this stuff. He called his people still to say, hey, I, I do have this vision for humanity. You are my people and I want you to live this way. He still called them to, to live in such a way and to, to carry out and cast that vision um, for uh, God's vision for humanity w- within them. And so he doesn't just say, well, you shouldn't care anymore. Wait until I get back to fix it. He causes people to still live that way. So um, it, it's important to even recognize biblically that's what's going on uh, in the Old and New Testaments. Um, for us, that's a, I mean, that's a real, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I would say that what we see in the Old Testament with God's people, with Israel, is that their nation, I mean, th- they knew that what they were doing wasn't all that was cracked up to be. Um, even in the height of stuff and in the lowest of stuff, as we read through Micah, there was a day coming in which, gosh, Zion would be lifted up and uh, the the nations would come and they would uh, flock to, to Zion for God's wisdom and God's law and all those things. They would get to uh, plant and grow and then sit under their fig trees and rest and, and all those things like that, that what we are doing now, uh, right now in our politics, um, can point to, can be a shadow of the, the future to come under Christ's rule and reign. And so um, all that to say that what we get to do now is use our politics in service of the kingdom of God. Um, what we see a lot of uh, when we see faith and politics uh, intermingle and entangled is that uh, lots of times we end up actually placing the kingdom of God, the scriptures, Jesus, uh, what have you, in service of our politics. And what, what this would say with Jesus as our political hope, we actually get to use politics in service of the kingdom. And so we're not necessarily, that means we're not hitched to a, a person or a party like as the hope for you know, the, the world or the nation or whatever. Um, but, but man, we get to use the way that we do govern, that process of governing. Again, whether that's small, tiny, local in your home or whether that's uh, national, we get to use that process to somehow point to the fact that there is a better king coming, even than the best one that we have today, um, and that things are going to get better. And so we get to, to point people in, in the best of our governing um, to the fact that there is one on whom the, the, the government uh, will rest on his shoulders, and he will be able to carry that in a way that no one else will. Sweet. Well, it sounds like a setup to help us continue to process in coming weeks. And so yeah. uh, 9 o'clock... Yep. If you're listening to this sometime in the future, this is not true. But if it's uh, the week that this is recorded, 9 o'clock on Sunday, uh, for us here at the 210 in the, the Big Cayville Room, the historically yeah. Big Cayville Room, yeah. um, the historic Big Cayville Room, <laughs> um, 9 to 10, we'd love to have you hang out with us. And do you want to give a little teaser what 
Any at all? Yeah, I mean, this third session is going to be about uh, how should we think about politics. <laughs> so it's going to be probably the most dense of uh, of the conversations we've had thus far because that's a big, it's a big multi-layered complex thing to explore. Um, but I think it's also where uh, we get to have some honest dialogue or it could lead to some honest dialogue down the road. So I'm, I'm really, I'm excited about digging into that this week. Yeah, do you foresee at some point, I know a lot of what we're seeing is like, uh, we're mindful of what's in the room. Yeah. Like, but it's uh, ethereal, up in the air, mm. abstract. Do you think that in the in the next few weeks, like, we will, yeah. there will be space for people to say the things? No, yeah. You know? M- my okay. guess is week four and five. So, again, this week is probably going to be uh, thick and dense with just trying to help cast vision and frame. That's That's largely what this class on the front end is meant to do is help reframe the way we see politics in service of the kingdom uh, underneath God, Jesus, um, the scriptures. And so that's these first few weeks. The fourth week, we'll talk about what it looks like to love each other as a church in the midst of political differences. Um, and then the fifth week literally is open for, <laughs> for Q&A, you know, for questions to talk about things, because I know that there are things that people are wondering about. Um, I may not have all the answers, but we're, we're making space to talk about that stuff on that fifth week in particular. Um, and uh, folks are for, are always, uh, you know, you guys can reach out to me or any of the elders, but certainly me if you want to chat about any of those things, anything I said in the class, whatever, um, throughout the week, I would love to, to talk with you about that in between. So, Sweet. Uh, I'll just go ahead and preface one question that I'll have in a few weeks. How, how can you be a Christian and... <laughs> No! <laughs> Can't wait oh, for those. Oh, cannot They're wait. Um, cool. Any final words? Uh, no. Uh, again, just appreciate everybody that's coming out. We had a, a crazy number of people join us this past Sunday, which was really awesome. Um, I'm glad that people are interested in talking about it, and I hope that this serves the church um, in many, many ways. Uh, not just this year, but in, in years down the road as well. So Sweet. Well, that's uh, the Indivisible Recap Session 2. We'll see you next time. All right.